excited for this week's episode you have no idea and if you are seeing the title of this episode right now i am pretty sure that you can guess why this past week i met my wrestling hero Sami Zayn. <laughs> i met him online of course via a virtual meet and greet but the awesomeness was so real i cannot wait to talk about that later and that is definitely the highlight of my week i can't wait to share that so let's get right into it you have landed on the place in cyberspace where I, your Earthling host, Racine, talk about all things super in my world and in yours. This is Planet Super! So, my galactic geeks, it's time to do what we did last episode. Let's split the major events of this past week into two categories. Super or not super? We have only one item under each category this week. You already know what's on my super list, obviously. So let's go ahead and start with the not super list because this is very important. The most unsuper thing this past week is Typhoon Ulysses. So the Philippines has once again experienced the devastating effects of a tropical storm. Its international name is Typhoon Vamco, and locally, it's known as Typhoon Ulysses. So Ulysses made first landfall in the Philippines last Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken, bringing heavy rain and strong wind. It was pretty wild, but it was early Thursday that we truly saw the heavy flooding because at this point, the rain had been nonstop. It severely affected areas close to bodies of water like dams, rivers, and the like. The fact that we all know, it basically sank most of Marikina City. This was caused by the Marikina River overflowing, though it also affected other areas that are prone to flooding, such as Rizal and the Bicol region, which was still reeling from the effects of a typhoon that recently swept the region. It's called Typhoon Rolling. Now, on social media, we saw Marikina residents posting photos and videos of the rapidly rising flood water from the vantage point of the roof. So families were getting up on their roof, even for those who have a second or third story in their home, just to remain safe from the rising water. Houses sank underwater. Many families lost everything. They were calling for help on social media. On Facebook and Twitter, those who were fortunate enough to be away from the situation started mobilizing you know, rescue operations and donation drives. People online were even offering help to those who have just free Facebook or free data and no prepaid load so that they would be the ones to send texts to family members of those affected by the flood to tell them whether or not they're safe. Being on social media that day, you could just feel this sense of helplessness, hopelessness, desperation. These residents were informing us that they needed to be rescued, that they were asking about the government's plans to help them if they had any plans. They were asking for help. There was even a post about someone's grandmother dying on the roof. They were there for hours, hours without help, and they could not get down and take her to the hospital, so she died. The poster was asking us, the social media community, to tell their officials, any official actually, that someone's grandmother had died on the roof. Were they rescued? 
If they ever were, it was definitely too late. We saw a photo of a baby tucked snugly in a small basin as his parents were trying to get through the flood, protecting their baby and what little they had brought with them. We saw pictures of dogs who died in the flood because their owners forgot to unchain them as they were evacuating. The dogs were discovered lifeless after the water had receded, covered in thick, thick mud. This was Thursday in Marikina, in Rizal, and other areas of Metro Manila that were flooded. This is what the media calls the worst flooding in the area in years. They've compared it to a storm in 2009 called Typhoon Ondoy, which left a similar trail of devastation in Metro Manila. I personally experienced Ondoy. We spent, I don't know, five, six hours on the roof of our home in Fairview, Quezon City. We don't live there now. The flood consumed our first floor and it rose to half of our second floor, up to my chest because I'm very small. We had to get up to the roof, even though there were strong winds and heavy rain. It was the only way to safety. And we didn't even have a roof roof, just this area where the water tank was. We all hung on to the cage containing the water tank so we wouldn't fall off and into the water. And up there, I saw random appliances floating. I saw a car carried by the flood to God knows where. I saw my neighbors up on the roofs of their house. It was deep into the night when it was finally safe to get out of the house. And the water hadn't even fully receded yet so we were wading through muck and flood water that was almost chest high hand in hand in the dark until we got to safety the next day when all the flood water was gone we went back and man everything was destroyed the house was a wreck we had to replace most of our things the fridge the tv the bed tables and chairs um Luckily, I was able to save my laptop because I brought it with me to the roof along with like a loaf of bread, which actually came in handy. My cousin Sheila, who was living in the first floor, uh, took the brunt of it. Her place was completely submerged and she really had to start over basically from scratch. This was Typhoon Ondoy in 2009. Now, 11 years later, Typhoon Ulysses in 2020 was worse. I'm fortunate enough to now live in a place that's mostly unaffected by the storm. Just a few power interruptions, but no flooding or anything. But some people, those who suffered the wrath of Ondoy in 2009, also suffered the second time around with Ulysses. And it's, it's devastating. I told you, the media covered it as the worst flood in the area in years. But here's something that the media was not able to cover. Far from the city, up in northern Luzon, that's region 2, Cagayan Valley, the city of Tuguegarao sank. Not just that city, the entire province of Cagayan and Isabela and my home province, Nueva Vizcaya. That's the place where I grew up. It's the same situation with Marikina. Floodwaters rising past rooftops, destroying people's homes. People were dying. The Magat Dam was overflowing and it was just as bad if not worse because Cagayan Valley is basically next to a mountain so the heavy rains caused landslides. Remember this is the province so a lot of the land is taken up by farmers fields which were completely submerged in the flood. But why no media coverage like Metro Manila?
I saw a tweet by a documentary photographer who said the local governments in Cagayan Valley have mandated all visitors in the region, including the media and aid workers, to undergo a 14-day quarantine before they're allowed into the region. And this is where you're like, oh right, there's, there's COVID. Apart from this typhoon that's basically killing us all and destroying our homes, there's this deadly virus going around. 2020, Earthlings 2020. Alright, so I guess requiring visitors to undergo a 14-day quarantine seems responsible in the middle of a pandemic. But is it the responsible thing to do when your whole region is drowning in flood water? I don't know, man. You tell me. Isn't it important to get national media on the ground in your region so that your emergency situation gets national attention and most importantly, aid? Okay, I will tell you something. The region's biggest local news source used to be ABS-CBN Cagayan Valley. That's a local news bureau connected to a national news bureau. So then it was easier for regional disasters like this to get national attention. But then ABS-CBN was shut down and here we are, in the dark, drowning in our own helplessness. It makes me angry and upset because this literally hits close to home. I, I grew up in this region. And particularly for Nueva Vizcaya, my home province, it's always been the story. Our location is not well known. We're always mistaken for the more popular yet closely named province of Nueva Ecija. To see Nueva Vizcaya not getting national attention, even in a goddamn natural calamity, even when these people are in need of aid and rescue, it just makes me mad. It's fortunate that there are good people, superheroes, in Vizcaya who have been saved from the storm but are selfless and proactive enough to conduct donation drives for families who have been affected in the region. My old school, St. Mary's University, is calling for both in-kind and cash donations. So please go to my Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash planetsuperpodcast to see all the bank details and drop-off locations. I've shared their post. For in-kind donations, they are accepting rice, canned goods, face masks, toiletries, potable water, instant noodles, disposable diapers, and sanitary napkins. Yes, the last one is very important. My old classmate's sister and her team uh, at Craver's Adventure Akiat Katutubo Mission is also calling for in-kind donations. So this will go to families not just in the Cagayan Valley region, but also in the Bicol region where they have been struck by both Typhoon Ulysses and Typhoon Rolly. Their team is targeting to provide aid to at least 800 families. For in-kind donations, they accept one, clothes. Okay, for this one, guys, I don't think it's sanitary to give used clothes during a pandemic. Also, please do not use this as an opportunity to just clear out stuff you don't like in your closet, like Halloween costumes or Christmas sweaters. Please, please keep in mind what others might actually need. Um, they're also accepting canned goods, biscuits, potable water, bottled water, uh, face masks and face shields, hygiene kits. So this includes soap, 
toothpaste, shampoo, sanitary pads, yes, alcohols and sanitizers, and vitamins, and also other kinds of medicine. So they have drop-off points in municipalities in major areas of Nueva Vizcaya. For Bayumbong, it's in number 36 Santo Domingo Street. Uh, please look for Ayel Tiam. They also have drop-off points in Bambang, Aritao, Bagabag, and Solano. So please, again, go to the Planet Super Facebook page for all the details if you wish to donate and look for the post. For any other area in Luzon affected by Typhoon Ulysses, you can send cash donations to Bangon Luzon's Relief Drive. Uh, the details are also on my Facebook page. If I'm not mistaken, they are doing this relief drive in cooperation with the office of the vice president. Folks, it is important that we elect government leaders who can help our country prepare better for these kinds of calamities and at the same time help our countrymen in need with better emergency response strategies. We are very much prone to typhoon-related disasters every year. We should have an improved national strategy for all of this by now. I mean, it's great to see everyone, ordinary citizens, doing their part in running donation drives, helping with rescue operations and such, but we need good leadership to help us unify our efforts and resources for more effective and far-reaching solutions for every community. That is a government official's job, and that is why we pay taxes. Which is why you should register to vote for the 2022 elections. You can do this until the end of September 2021. So that's a little less than a year. You have enough time. Every vote matters in the fight for positive change. And I think that the recent U.S. elections are a testament to that. We need to be more proactive in appointing leaders who are capable of helping us prepare and respond to these types of national emergencies. So that is our not super list for the week. Now, on to the super list. And the main reason why I'm so excited for this episode, gosh, I'm smiling while I say this. Anyone who knows me knows that I am a huge Sami Zayn fan. He is my hero. For those who don't follow wrestling, Sami Zayn is a wrestler in the WWE. Right now, he is the Intercontinental Champion. He calls himself the Great Liberator because his thing is that he sets fellow wrestlers quote-unquote free by encouraging them to express their true selves and show their full potential. Before calling himself the Great Liberator, he was known as the underdog from the underground. And that's because prior to joining WWE, Sami Zayn had spent years wrestling in the independent scene. He was using a different name back then and he was in mask. He wrestled in Canada, his home country, he's from Montreal, in the US, in Japan, and in many different parts of the world. So coming into WWE, he had already had years of experience without the general audience really knowing who he was. Underdog from the underground. My first encounter with Sami Zayn's masked persona in the indies, I, I was hooked. His wrestling style was so full of energy, so full of character. I just 
loved watching clips of his matches on YouTube. And this was when my friend Veronica introduced me to the independent wrestling scene. The likes of Ring of Honor, Chikara, PWG. And when he got to WWE, he performed unmasked and took on the ring name that he uses right now, Sami Zayn. So that's basically his WWE name. And during this time, I did not know that <laughs> that he and his masked persona were the same person. I, I wasn't that deep into indie scene research yet. The first time I actually saw him wrestle as Sami Zayn was a WWE live special called NXT Arrival. NXT is WWE's developmental brand for those who don't keep up. NXT is a little bit different now, but during this time, which was... 2013, 2014, NXT was where wrestlers essentially start out before they are featured on Raw or SmackDown. Nowadays, it's considered as a sort of third brand. Anyway, NXT arrival. Sami Zayn went up against Antonio Cesaro. And that match just blew my mind. <laughs> I loved it so much and I started to become obsessed with Sami Zayn. So I did my googling and then that's when I found out that he was the masked wrestler that I love to watch in the independent scene. It's like a million years after the fact. From then on, as the months and the years of watching him went by, I kept doing research on Sami Zayn. I found out that he liked the same bands as I did, which endeared him even more to me. He liked Rancid, The Bouncing Souls, Misfits, Against Me, No Effects. Dude, that's like my playlist. It's like I found my own taste in music represented in the WWE. It's weird, I know. But even his whole persona, his entrance music was ska and he would skank to the ring and his logo was reminiscent of the logos of Circle Jerks and Operation Ivy. And oh, speaking of Operation Ivy, his wrestling tights even had the lyrics to the song Sound System printed on them. To resist despair in this world is what it means to be free. That's an Operation Ivy song. And it's so weird, but I felt represented <laughs> i had never seen a wrestler on wwe with the same music taste as me maybe there were other wrestlers who like punk and ska but none of them really flaunted it the way that Sami Zayn did so i just felt connected to this performer to this wrestler and he is such a great wrestler like I said, he wrestles with so much energy, so much character, so much drive. It was impossible for me not to cheer for him. There was this match on Raw. John Cena, I'm sure you guys, you know who he is, whether or not you follow wrestling. John Cena was the United States champion at the time. I think this was 2015. Every week... John Cena would issue an open challenge to anyone in the locker room who would want to face him for the U.S. Championship title. So this episode was happening in Montreal. At first, Bret Hart came out. So Bret Hart is a legendary wrestler from the 80s, also from Canada. And some people initially thought that he was going to challenge John Cena. But then he introduced Cena's actual challenger, Sami Zayn! So Montreal went wild for their hometown hero, of course, but something happened before this match. As Sami Zayn was making his way to the ring, he injured his shoulder. He threw his arm up in the air as he was hyping up his hometown crowd, and then his shoulder popped right out of its socket. This was right 
before the match. A match with arguably the biggest modern day WWE star. A match for the United States Championship in his hometown. And you know what he did? He went on with a match with a limp injured shoulder. He just did it. It was an amazing match. If you can, search for it on YouTube. Y you can see that he was really hurt, but he kept going. He lost, but that's okay. Cena raised his hand as if in victory and he was given a huge ovation by the Montreal crowd. Because everyone saw his grit, his energy, his drive. He was outstanding despite clearly performing injured and hurt like a superhero. And that was the moment where I went, that's it. That's my favorite wrestler right there, and I never changed my mind. Of course, after that injury, he had to take a break for surgery and recovery, but when he came back, he was set to face Japanese wrestling sensation Shinsuke Nakamura. The pressure was so high because this was WrestleMania weekend and Nakamura's much-anticipated WWE debut. Please look for this match. Sami Zayn versus Shinsuke Nakamura at NXT TakeOver Dallas. I cried in this match. I was at the office while I was watching it. My boss James was like, what's wrong? And I looked up at him with tears in my eyes and I said, this match is beautiful. <laughs> I loved it so much and it's one of my favorite matches ever. I just love Sami Zayn. <laughs> And even Sami Zayn's matches with Kevin Owens were so great to watch. For those who don't know, Kevin Owens was Sami Zayn's former tag team partner and rival in the independent scene. And as far as I know, they're best friends in real life. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm just so giddy when I talk about Sami Zayn. <laughs> Apart from being a fan of his wrestling and his taste in music, I'm also a big fan of his dedication towards helping people. In 2017, Sami Zayn launched Sami for Syria. So this is a campaign meant to fund the mobile clinics to help those affected by the violence and devastation happening in Syria, the country where his family is from. So Sami Zayn, with his global popularity as a WWE wrestler, used this influence and following to raise awareness towards what is going on in Syria and to mobilize his fans to help by donating money. This campaign was done in partnership with SAMS, so the Syrian American Medical Society. Sami Zayn put his popularity to good use and now the mobile clinics are up and running in Syria. He empowered fans of wrestling <laughs> to make a difference in the lives of those in need. That to me is another superhero move and another reason why I am such a big fan and I'm so inspired by him. If you listen to his podcast guest things, particularly his episode on the Blind Boy podcast, please give that a listen. Blind Boy is awesome. Sami Zayn has such interesting ideas and views on politics, on wrestling, on humanity, and he's very outspoken about it. I just think that he is such an insightful, passionate, and compassionate human being, and I really look up to him. I want to be like him <laughs> inside and outside the ring. He's a big part of why I'm training to be a wrestler. My dream is to face him someday or be his tag partner or both. <laughs> it's far-fetched, but you never know. When WWE came to Manila in 2016, Sami Zayn was announced as part of the show. So what did I do? I spent like all my money on ringside tickets. I just wanted to be able to see him perform up close and I was hoping to have 
at least a tiny, tiny interaction with my hero. I wasn't earning so much back then and I was in charge of the bills at home so I really had to scrimp on food and other expenses just so I could fund this. The Inquirer, a newspaper in the Philippines, held a contest for a meet and greet. All you had to do was send a video of yourself doing the entrance of a WWE performer and you could win a meet and greet. I was in Japan then for a big company trip, so I decided to shoot myself doing the Nakamura entrance. I was able to win access to the meet and greet, and what happened was they didn't really tell us who we were meeting at first, so I was hoping, I was praying so hard that it was Sami Zayn. So what I did was I prepared a mix CD of songs by bands we both liked. There was Operation Ivy, Social Distortion, Against Me, Rancid, and The Bouncing Souls. I also included some local punk and ska songs for him to discover, so some Filipino bands. And I handcrafted CD art that was inspired by his masked persona in the indies. I chose to make a mixed CD because I wanted to say that that was initially how I felt connected to his persona and why I feel sort of represented in WWE. It's so weird. Like, ska fan or punk fan isn't a race or anything, which is why I feel weird saying represented. <laughs> so I brought that CD with me when I went to the meet and greet, and as it turns out, we were not meeting Sami Zayn, but Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, which was still fine. I'm also a fan of theirs. I was contemplating whether or not I should ask them to give the mix CD to Sami Zayn, but I was rational enough to decide against it. I kept the mix CD in my bag. After the meet and greet, I went to the arena, took my seat ringside, and I was all alone there. I didn't have anyone to watch with me. Sami Zayn was part of the main event, the last match of the night. He went up against then-champion Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins in a triple threat match. I think I destroyed my vocal cords by cheering so much for him during this match. I screamed my lungs out during his entrance. There's a really embarrassing video of that. And when the match ended, he didn't win. He was the last to leave the ring. And so he went around the ringside area shaking people's hands, giving people high fives. Now remember... I still had the mix CD with me and I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is my chance. So I pulled the mix CD from my bag and the barricade was super crowded. Everyone is trying to high five Sami Zayn whether or not they were big fans of his because of course this was the first time in seven years that WWE had come to Manila. So people were hungry for any WWE superstar interaction. And I am a tiny girl. So I really had to elbow my way through everyone and jump around just to make myself visible behind the barricades. I was waving around the CD when Sami Zayn came to our side of the barricade and he took it and I shouted, You're my hero, Sami Zayn! And he stuffed it in his wrestling tights. I have a really awkward picture of that. And I was just so happy. <laughs> I was dying out there. I was weeping. Tears of joy, like I didn't think I was going to be able to give him the CD that I made and he took it. I went home that night and I was just so happy. It was a magical feeling, like the tiniest interaction I had with my favorite wrestler. Wow. <laughs>
I did see him live a couple more times. Once in Washington, D.C., where he went up against AJ Styles. That was an episode of SmackDown. And also during the second time WWE came to Manila. That was last year, 2019. I did not have interactions with him during these shows. So WWE Manila 2016 was still the most memorable to me. So fast forward to last Friday night. It was what? Past 10 p.m.? My friend Bon, who is also a huge Sami Zayn fan, in fact, we became friends because of our common love for Sami Zayn, he shared with me a Twitter announcement by WWE saying that Sami Zayn will be having a virtual meet and greet session. Basically, you'd get two minutes with Sami Zayn in a one-on-one -on -one video call. It was going to start at 1 a.m. Manila time, which meant I had less than three hours to get a ticket. I, I panicked. <laughs> I didn't see it right away because I don't have a Twitter account anymore. And I had to set up a PayPal account just so I could buy a ticket. It, it, it cost a lot too. So goodbye Christmas money. <laughs> But I was thinking that it would be worth it because we'd get to keep a recording of the video after the meet and greet session is over. And that memory to me seemed priceless. I finished buying the ticket at like 10.30 p.m. So I had two and a half hours to figure out what I wanted to say in that two-minute conversation. I was trying to find the spot also in our apartment with the best lighting. And I was figuring out if I should get his shirt from the hamper because I just wore it and I didn't know that this was gonna happen. I wrote down everything I wanted to tell him in two minutes. How he inspires me, both inside and outside the ring. And I wanted to bring up the times I came to watch him wrestle live. I wanted to bring up the mix CD. I wanted to tell him how I've been trying to copy his rolling arm drag, but I keep failing at it during training. Obviously, this wouldn't all fit in two minutes, but I could try. So the session was supposed to start at 1 a.m., right? But I was already logged in before midnight. I was in the queue, second in line. Unbeknownst to me that the person in line before me was my friend Bon. I was just a nervous wreck in that whole hour or so of waiting. At first, I drank coffee to make sure I had enough energy because I really don't stay up that late. But then it just jangled my nerves even more. So I drank lots of water to help me calm down, to ease the anxiety. And I was peeing a lot. <laughs> then the countdown came. And I was just looking at the screen, waiting for something to happen. And I could feel my heartbeat pulsing all throughout my body, down to my toes. Then... Sami Zayn's face appeared on screen and I just, I cried. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Like I couldn't talk for the few, first few seconds. I, I wasted the first few seconds basically because I was just so overwhelmed. I am finally talking to my wrestling hero. He was kind enough to sort of extend the two minutes or let them lapse. Thank you so much. And I was able to tell him where I'm from and how I had been waiting for years to speak with him. I showed him the picture of the mix CD I made and he said that he remembered it. And oh my gosh, 
he said he'd only been given a CD at a show like twice in his life. And that just made me so happy. The rest of the conversation was just me making shrill fangirl noises, unfortunately. <laughs> because I have zero self-control. But towards the end, I did tell him that he inspires me and that I am training to be a wrestler too. And uh, I just... I just wanted to show him this picture of me in my wrestling gear emulating a post by his masked character. I wanted to tell him that he was my hero, but I was just so nervous and so overwhelmed. Oh my god. Needless to say, I was not able to talk to him the way my organized outline predicted the conversation to go. So. I want to say it out loud now. It's very unlikely that this will ever reach Sami Zayn, but I think you are a superhero. This is what I wanted to say during our two-minute conversation. Keep inspiring people with who you are and what you do. Even though I'm just me and I'm just one of your many, many fans, and what I say might not mean a lot, I'm here to tell you that I believe in you. And your work helps me believe in myself too. And one day, I'm going to be just as inspiring and just as entertaining, just as influential, and just as compassionate. Whether that's inside the ring or out, I want to be a superhero too. I mean, that's why this whole Super P persona was created in the first place. So that I could try to be a hero like you and so that I could be a hero for myself too. That was the best moment of my week. One of the best days of my life. And I'd like to thank everyone for listening to this week's episode of Planet Super. This has been Racine, your Earthling host with a planet-sized mess of a brain. And until next week, stay out of this world, stay super. Super.